if you can find it, the book of Ecclesiastes. <laughs> uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, right after Proverbs, right? Yep, right after Proverbs. And uh, I always remember uh, Dr. Faulkner at Tennessee Temple. He would always say, men, you never know what you might have to do. Always have a sermon in your Bible. And uh, yesterday was one of those days. I was going to teach on a subject about what's going on in the church and a number of those things within Christendom, just like our government, and uh, trying to cancel the old ways and our heritage, our constitution. And the church has done the same in what we have believed. And the younger generation, not all, thank God, but a lot of them have turned away from the old paths, and they're going in a different direction in some ways. And I was going to make some comparisons there. Then I didn't feel comfortable with that. And so I then started to work on a message on baptism, actually. I was trying to touch hot-button topics. Uh, the last couple of weeks were, uh, was uh, tongues, languages, and so I was going to do another thing. And 10 o'clock last night, I still did not have my message. And so I didn't have one. And so I just said, Lord, uh, I'm just going to go back and see what I have in my Bible there. And I have an old message there that I like real well. I, one time, it was on a Saturday evening, uh, I was having difficulties. Preachers go through these things. You know that. It's just not in front of you all the time. You know exactly. Some preachers, they know what they're going to be speaking in the next two months. And I, I'm not that way. I kind of go by how I feel that week, what I want to speak on. It would be a lot easier if I did have, I know I'm going to speak the next 16 weeks. That would be good, I guess. But I'm not, just not that way. The Lord might lead me in a different direction, and I'd, I'd mess that series all up. And, uh, but I was just thinking, and uh, I sit down, and I wrote these things about, as you look back over your life, some things that we have been blessed with. And I want to talk about that. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. 12 through 14. Solomon says, I, the preacher, was king over Israel in Jerusalem. And I gave my heart to seek and search out by wisdom concerning all things that are done under heaven. This sore travail hath God given to the sons of man to be exercised therewith. I have seen all the works that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. After he observed everything that man does, and he participated in a lot of it, he said, all is vanity. Is that true of a child of God, by the way? I don't believe that it is. 1 Corinthians 6.11 says this here. And such were some of you, lots of sinners, but ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You know, when you put your faith in the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, Christ's work is sufficient enough to wash all your sins, you become a child of God. 
then you can agree with, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. That's not all is vanity, is it? That's all blessings. When you stop and you think about that. But as I look back, I wrote some things down. I wrote 25 things down. Are you worried this morning? 20? <laughs> but we just briefly mentioned them, okay? First thing is, we've been eternally chosen. Eternally chosen. Uh, it states First Peter, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the setting apart sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Then he says in Ephesians 1, 4, according as he has chosen us in Christ and him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. You see, God tells us in his word that before the world was even created, God had a purpose for those he would save. Isn't that amazing? Before the world was even created, he said, I have a purpose for you. I have a journey that I want you to go on. We've been eternally chosen. We've been supernaturally prepared. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 says this here, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation. Now here's how. Through the sanctification, the setting apart of the spirit and belief of the truth. In other words, the reason we accepted the gospel is that the spirit of God softened our hearts. He made our hearts receptive. That's the way it is. You know, I looked at the last week before I was saved. And I look back on it, I see the individual things and people and the spirit things that were coming down, and I see how those things work to prepare my heart so that when it's preached, faith came to my heart. The Spirit of God works that way. We've been supernaturally prepared, and then we've been undeservingly called. <laughs> you know, Paul said, I'm chief of sinners. Have you ever stepped back and asked yourself, why me? Why would God want to save somebody like me? Uh, boy, I've said that many, many times. But before I was saved, there was no desire. The things of God were foolish. If we died, it would be fair. We'd go straight to hell. But he says this in Ephesians 4. There is one body, one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. 2 Thessalonians 2.14 says this, whereunto he called you by our gospel. I'm grateful that one day God called me and my heart responded in faith. Number four, we've been graciously forgiven. We've been graciously forgiven. Colossians 1.14. I'm giving the guys a workout this morning. I hope you don't mind in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Chapter 2, verse 13 says this here, And you being dead in your sins and uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you how much? 
all your sin. All your past sins being forgiven, all your present sins been forgiven, and all your future sins been forgiven. All of your sin. You say, boy, I have a hard time understanding that. I just accept it by faith and say, thank you, Jesus. Amen? Amen. But much forgiven, much required. You know, when the Lord healed those ten lepers, how many of them came back and thanked him? One. I want to be that one. I hope more goes and says, God, thank you for saving me. But if nobody else goes, we, I have to, don't you? Then not only that, we've been permanently accepted. Ephesians 1, 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us, what? Accepted in the beloved. That means always highly favored in God's sight. That's something. We're highly favored. Carol, you need to listen to that. Highly favor me. <laughs> In life, a lot of times we're rejected. In life, we're abused by the world. Doesn't like believers today very much, does it? But also even by other believers. But we'll never be that with God. Then we've been bodily indwelt. Ephesians 1.13 says this, In whom ye also trusted Christ, after that ye heard the word of truth, faith comes by hearing, the gospel, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, of your salvation, in whom also, after that ye believed in the gospel of Christ, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. We have been bodily indwelt. 1 Corinthians 6:19 and 20 says, What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You know, Mary, she, she was so excited just the fact that uh, she had Jesus Christ inside of her. Uh, she was excited God was in her, in the person of Jesus Christ. She had that privilege for nine months. Do you know we have that privilege until we get to go to heaven? We have that treasure in earthen vessels the Bible talks about. Amen? God in us, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Then we've been, number seven, family adopted. Ephesians 1.5 says this here, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's not the verse I wanted, but that's verse 30, fellas. Uh, I should have showed you that verse a while ago. Forgive me. But Ephesians 1.5, do you have that by any chance? Ephesians 1.5. Well, it talks about us being adopted. You know, before we were saved, we were of our father, the devil. Right? That's who our father was. And so, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. And we're part of his family now. Now, I've told my testimony many times, but uh, I didn't meet my dad until I was 42. And uh, we were in foster care at times, and but mom got us all back finally. And... You know, I didn't have a dad around. But I'm thankful now that since I've been saved, I'm part of the whole family of God. 
And I have a lot of brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? We've been positionally justified. Romans 3.24 says this here. Romans 3.24. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. In other words, before the heavenly courts, we've been legally declared righteous. God has ruled in our favor once for all. Our case as being a sinner, our case, we've been acquitted. We've been forgiven. We've been pardoned. We're cleared of every charge. Our case can never, ever be reopened. God hath made Christ to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of Christ in him. The righteousness of God in him. When God sees us now, he sees us righteous. We've been eternally secured. Ephesians 4.30, that says this here, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed for how long? Unto the day of redemption. When's the day of redemption? At the rapture, exactly. And then he says in Ephesians 1.7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. You know, the word redeems mean to be purchased out of a slave market and set free. But it has more to it. Not only are you taken out of a slave market to be set free so as never to return to the slave market. God has redeemed us through his blood so that we will never return to that position called sinner. Amen? Now we're in Christ. Out of Adam into Christ. These things have I written unto you that believe upon the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. I love that. In hope of eternal life which God promised before the world began. In other words, what he starts, he completes. And if he started you in his mind, in his purpose, in his power, you will be completed. Amen? That's pretty good assurance right there, isn't it? Then also, we've been scripturally guided. God has a purpose, a plan for our life. And each one of us, we have to take our own journey. And if we want to know what that journey should be, we read the Word of God. I like Bernard Longer, uh, the golfer. He plays in the seniors now, but he said at his induction in the Hall of Fame, he said, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And I really appreciated his testimony And we look back on our life and we see how God has been involved in our life. Amen. Then we've been personally known. Being saved, it's not a religion. It's a relationship. We don't serve a far off God. He knows us. We know him. We talk. We walk. We live together. Now in your relationship with other people, most of the time it's conditional how you're treating each other, right? But that's never with God. God says, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. And then we've been mentally illuminated. 
You see, before I was saved, the God of this world had blinded me. Before I was saved, I was natural, and the things of God were foolishness unto me. But when God saved me, he made me spiritually alive. And when I became spiritually alive, I became spiritually aware of truth of what God was saying. Now, when I look at the world and see circumstances in people's lives, I look through God's glasses. Now I see his view. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 and 12, for what, know, for what man knoweth the things of man save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God. Why? That we might know the things that are freely given to us by God. Amen? You see, the Spirit of God who lives inside of us, he helps illuminate, helps us to understand what God is trying to say to us. I've told you before, but I remember I used to, I went to counseling centers, excuse me, went to a counseling center, Lafayette, <clears throat> pathetic counseling, and I'm going to get like Stan. I don't think he kissed me. <clears throat> <clears throat> but as I was there, uh, they used a lot of Jay Adams material, great counselor, and I had a hard time reading material, making sense of it. Then one day they had a, uh, one weekend they had a conference there, and Carol and I, we went to this conference, and while we were there, Jay Adams spoke. Now, after Jay Adams spoke, I could see him and his books that he wrote about counseling and they mesh together, and they begin to make sense. Likewise with God, we didn't understand until we got saved, but now because we know the author of the scriptures, things begin to make sense to us in our life. Amen? Number 13, we've been church challenged. God says, you know, I love my church so much I gave myself for it. If he loves the church, we ought to love the church, not just the body of Christ. Out of 105, seven times the word church is used in the Bible, 95 times it's referring to the local church. Amen? It's a church where you hear the word of God. That's where faith comes from. It's where you worship. It's where you participate. It's where you fellowship with other people. And one of the great assets of the church that most people don't like talking about today because we want to do our own thing, the church makes us accountable. Amen. It makes you accountable with other people and what the church is trying to do. Number 14, we've been graciously gifted. God wants us all to serve some way. He's given all of us at least one gift. Have you found your gift yet? 1 Peter 4.10 says this here. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. You have a gift, now use it for other people. I remember one of the great days of my life was when I realized God 
would use me in some way. I, I remember that day. Before, I just came like most Baptists and sit like a bump on a log. You come in, you sit, you hear, you go, you have fellowship. But as far as it touching your heart to be used by God, it hadn't happened yet with me. And boy, as a result of that, Christianity was boring. If you're not involved with something, you're not committed to something. It's not a big deal with you then. And I remember when God, uh, I went out soul winning, led somebody to Christ, and I said, God can use even somebody like me. And that was true. I started, we did nursery, we did juniors, we did junior church, we did junior high, we did the senior high. <laughs> I did a, a, a couples class, on and on it goes, until finally somebody went blind and I got to be a pastor. <laughs> but whatever it was, it's amazing. God will use you if you just say, God, I'm willing and have a good heart with him, no matter who you are. Also, we've been socially, spiritually changed. We're not the same as we used to be after you get saved. You begin to make new friends. You begin to walk in faith together with them. Who you walk with will determine the level of your maturity, the level of your spirituality. The Bible says, Psalm 119, verse 63, I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. It wasn't until I made a break with my old friends that wanted to do sinful things and begin to make new friends with those who wanted to follow Christ, that's when the change began to happen in my life. And that's when it will happen yourself. Even when I went to school at Temple, I got close to Charlie and Ron when I was there. They were, uh, used to work as jet airplane mechanics for Delta. And I got close to them. And we became friends, of course. We'd study together, and they always would uplift me and bring me to a higher challenge and level of my walk. You have to get close to other people who love God. Also, we've been faithfully provided, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. I testify this morning as a testimony of 50 plus years, I have been blessed beyond what I ever thought or ever asked for. You know, as a pastor, you can't do a lot of things. Uh, try financially and do this to try to do, make money and so on like that if you just stay with the ministry. And God has used people throughout the many years to assist and help me in Carol. And we've never taken it for granted. We're always grateful. But if it weren't for them, we wouldn't have anything that we have right now. But God used them to minister to us throughout the years so that we would have even more than enough 
But if you want to give me more, that's okay. I don't mind. I'm kidding. We're daily confronted. And we shouldn't be surprised by that. Light reveals darkness, doesn't it? What are we confronted with each day of our life? Well, we're worldly attracted. The world, its temptations, allurements, persuasions, pleasures. The world's enticements are relentless. Even Demas, who served with the great apostle Paul, even Demas forsook Paul for the cares of this world. You read the Bible's history, and it shows that almost all the great believers, they had certain problems in their life, and they failed in some of those problems. Adam, Abraham, Noah, Moses, Samson, David, Solomon, the disciples, Peter, John Mark, and the list goes on. You see, all that's in the world is the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life. And the Bible tells us not to be conformed to this world. The word conform means molded into its pattern. As a matter of fact, when you got saved, God said he delivered you from this present evil world. Amen? Then we've been devilishly attacked. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. The devil goes about walking as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Paul tells us, Ephesians 4, 27, neither give place to the devil. That has the idea, don't give him an opportunity. Amen? Don't give him an opportunity to get in your life some way. And he attacks our lives, he attacks our homes, he attacks our families, he attacks our church, he attacks our friends. He uses enemies against us. But let me say this, anyone trying to live for God's glory, doing something for God will have to battle because Satan doesn't want them to be successful. And then you start rightly dividing. On top of that, you got a battle. Amen? You have a battle. And then also notice, we're worldly attracted, we're devilish attacked, and we're fleshly tempted. The old man versus the new man. And at times it's tough. At times the flesh wins. You get so dejected and you're so discouraged. Why can't I have that victory like I should? The greatest foe I fight, the greatest enemy I fight is my flesh. And by the way, Paul said that in Romans chapter 7. Not only that then, we've been spiritually empowered. If you walk in the spirit controlled by him, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The good news is we can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth us. Philippians 2.13 then says this here. For it is God which worketh in you both to will to do of his good pleasure. It's amazing how when the time of temptation is there, if you look to God, there is a surge of godness, of strength, of power to be able to say no and do what is right. We've been abundantly rewarded. 
Isn't that true? God has blessed us. If any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a, what? A reward. Hebrews 6.10 has it. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love. God, it will be worth it all one of these days. And then number 22, we've been sovereignly conforming. Nothing is by accident in our life or by chance. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 4.10, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled, hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. That's the wrong verse, but that's okay. 2 Corinthians 4.10 is what I wanted, actually. You know, God's the potter. There we are. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Why? That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. God uses these things that are even seemingly unfair at times to develop us, build character inside of us so that we can unleash Christ who is in us so that it might be seen by those around us. He's the potter, we're the clay. Sometimes he has to remove the lumps that hurts but God is working on us. So all the tests, all the trials, the valleys, the sufferings, the tribulations, they all have a purpose. Amen? They have a person. We know that all things work together for good to them to love God, to them called according to his purpose. Number 23, we've been lovingly entrusted. That was that verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 8. He's given us the ministry of reconciliation to tell people about Christ and what he's done for them on the cross in the empty tomb. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. You know, God is depending upon us, we who have been saved, upon us to tell others about Christ. Jesus himself, he found sinners. He looked for them. He was a friend of sinners, and he was a forgiver of sinners. How many people did he say, go and sin no more? There were several, weren't they? Ephesians 3, 8, and 9. But God commendeth the... Well, I wasn't going there. Okay, that's good. But God commendeth the love towards us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If he loved us as a sinner, you know he loves us today. Amen. But I don't want to go there. I want to go back to Ephesians. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see. There's our goal. What is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things but Jesus Christ? All I'm saying to you is that he's depending on us to this magnitude. He set an entire program, an entire nation. He set aside the 12 apostles 
And that whole program with Peter, James, John, and all of them aside, and he's called us. Isn't that amazing? He's depending upon us. And then, number 24, we've been unfathomably loved. Now you can show that verse if you want. But God commended his love toward us. Aren't you glad he did? Then he says in verse uh, 5, I think, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. He's demonstrated his love. He's put his love in us that we can come back and say, God loves me. As Paul says, he's constrained by the love of God. What can separate us from the love of Christ? That long list, even death, he says nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. I have in my office a plaque and it says love, and then it gives a definition of love. He stretched out his arms and died. That's love. And the last one, 25, and everybody said? Thank you. I didn't think you'd ever get here. And I did this on Saturday night. I was just writing these down. We're being heavenly awaited. Philippians 1.23 Paul said, for I am in a strait betwixt two, having desire to part and to be with Christ, which is far better. Titus 2.13, Paul said, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Think about it. We'll be able to meet the Old Testament saints. All the ones that you've read about that were believers, well, we'll get to be able to meet them. Adam, slap Eve, it's going to be a good time. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but the Old Testament saints, the New Testament saints, the angelic host, your loved ones who also have believed, but above all, you'll see Christ face to face. As we sing the song every now and then, I can only imagine. <laughs> I can only imagine. Somebody said, what are you going to do when you see him? I didn't I know what. Well, a lot of people said, well, I'm going to say this. Well, I'm going to do what I, I think we'll fall flat on our face and crowd, holy, holy, holy. We who have been saved, we look back over our life. All is vanity? No, we say glory. Romans 8, 31, 32 says this here. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? That's our relationship with God. And that's right now. So can you imagine our future? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5 and following says, Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. 
and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that's our position, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. He said, you think this is something. You just wait until you get there. <laughs> it's going to be something, and it's going to be kindness toward us. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this here, But as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Uh, it's going to be something. If you never ever received another good thing from God, the rest of your life, He's given you more than you've ever deserved already. Amen? Amen. We don't like to hear that, but that's true. Even think about this. You've had the privilege of living in America. And not only living in America, you that are older, you had the privilege of living in an America that was like no other. It was amazing. We have had that privilege, but something that beats that is our gracious God having him. There's old Job. He's been stripped of everything, stripped of his family, stripped of his finances and wealth, stripped of his health. And he says in Job 10, 12, Thou hast granted me life and favor and thy visitation hath preserved my spirit. How in the world can you say something like that? We've been highly favored by God. We who have trusted him. And if this morning you're here and you've never been saved, if your heart were to stop beating, where would you go? You see, that's why Christ came. Born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, on the cross took yours and my payment for our sins, shed his blood, died, they buried him, and three days later he rose from the grave to show that the father had accepted his son's sacrifice. The once for all sacrifice. Nothing else needs to be done. The only thing you need to do is believe that's enough for your sins. Amen. Christ died for you, was buried and rose again. Who he is, he did that. Believe it. And if you believe that, you can be saved. Amen. And in your heart, however you want to do it, in your heart, just say, God, I believe. <laughs> Thank you. I believe who you are and what you've done for me. And if you do that, God will save you. And if you do that, be sure to come up after the service. I have uh, some books here for people who just believe and it will help you in a new walk in Christ. Father, we love you. Thank you for simple truths, but yet profound truths that we just shared with the people. We have so much just by being in you. Jesus Christ is more than enough. In Christ, we are complete.
So I just pray that this encouraged some people. They might be going through some things and that they might stop and just focus on your goodness, your graciousness to their life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? We hope you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you visit with us in person. For more information, please visit our website at gpnd.net or contact us by phone at 317-535-3512. You can watch us live and view past services on our website, Facebook, or YouTube channel. Until next broadcast, may God richly bless you as our prayer.